0: DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show. Friday from 2 to 7 at The Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Boom. Well, Boy. this just feels like somebody went out to the range for target practice. Question of the day, Pac-12 in the Mountain West. Supposed to meet Thursday. What do you expect? Christine... Larry Scott's going to give himself a raise and a job well done. Matt, Larry Scott just gave himself a raise and another bonus. Boom, boom. Facebook. You a toast to me. Facebook crushing Larry Scott. Meanwhile, over on Twitter, Larry Scott comes out with another 2.5 million and 90 more employees furloughed. Nate, if lunch is involved, Larry Scott will likely order the most expensive thing, Twice. <laughs> Line him up and knock them down, kids. Larry's got the bowling pin.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen a commissioner be this uh, hated, this loathed. Uh, you know, what word do you want to go? Boy, his public relations people, I don't know that they can rescue him.
0: They can't. Uh, the only thing that's left is... Are the presidents as upset as everybody else? Uh, clearly, the ADs have been upset. Clearly, the fans, the media. We can go through a long list of people. But the presidents are the one who decides if he gets another contract. And they don't answer to the fans or the media or the ADs.
1: I, I would hold off a little, but that's too strong.
0: They didn't answer in 2017 when he was already taking heat. Maybe they'll answer this time.
1: Is that watered down enough? Yeah, it just becomes a question. Then they they potentially could answer for it. I mean, I get your point. They can decide what they want, mm-hmm. and they don't have to check it, and it doesn't go up the food chain. Yeah, they're but, the top of
0: the food chain. Y- y-
1: you know, it could be fans uh, if they just you. You could always revolt with your wallet, and it you know maybe it doesn't make a difference. You know, I have a a, a friend of mine who says he's just turned off by the politics and he doesn't get outraged. He just says to me in a calm voice, I don't watch the NBA anymore. I didn't watch the jazz. I'm so turned off. And then in the next breath he says, and I know it's probably not going to make any difference at all, but it makes a difference to me. And this is what I believe in because of the national anthem and blah. blah, blah. So, I mean, he doesn't say it in an outrageous way. So I, I, I respect his opinion. Uh, on that even though for me you know I can overlook it he can't so be it doesn't make me right him wrong vice versa but if enough people did that I I think there could be issues there you know I had a conversation with Chris Hill once and about Ron McBride and how difficult it was to uh, make that coaching change but Chris said to me and he said it so emotionally I hope I'm not breaking any confidence all these years later he said well because of the the waning interest that was in the program you know it wasn't the sole reason but it was something that i had to do and it it took a chunk out of him it's not like he enjoyed doing that so if there's enough outrage apathy those types of things you know maybe there would be some blowback although i think that like you it seems that they're going to go in this direction to make a change anyway, so it won't matter. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, I think of all the tone-deaf things he did, I I thought the whole thing with these bonuses, the fact he got the bonuses out early, before they did the furloughs. So when they did it for uh, a lot of the staff had earned it, the people who were likely to be furloughed or laid off, it was good that they got the money to those people. But when the higher-end executives who weren't going to get furloughed or laid off, got massive bonuses. That, I mean, that stung from the head of the fish on down. That's just awful.
1: I agree 100%. And also, too, it's not – I don't know how much of a public entity it is, but I want to know, what are you getting bonuses for? (laughs) What did the conference do that was bonus-worthy?
0: I don't have a good answer for you.
1: That's – what? What happened? You're still not on DirecTV – you know, the, 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 the stuff that's out there, uh, it's not – I think they would have had uh, uh, more teams in the NCAA tournament this year. I think they would have had at least five, and that was an improvement. So the basketball got better. Uh, but, you know, the high-profile sports, you didn't – you only got one team. You don't get a team into the Final Four, and you only got one team into the New Year's Day six so what are we giving them bonuses for? What did they do to earn these bonuses? These are public institutions. I don't know that the contracts are public. I do know that the, the the institutions that they give out, except for Stanford and SC, they are public, so we can find out what the coach makes and all that type of stuff. I don't know that we can at the at the conference level, but I would like to know what bonuses did they meet? Because, you know, if my understanding, you know, we got a ratings bonus because we met something in a ratings or his sales. You met a quota in a sales. You know, I don't really understand all these other things at high level business, how it works, but those are two basic examples that, that I understand. What did he do? What did they do to earn those bonuses? We got
0: more people weighing in PAC 12 and mountain West supposed to meet today. What do you expect? And uh, Steve says, I expect a promotion relegation partnership. And Chris says, I don't think the Mountain West teams would accept being relegated to the Pac-12. Man, oh, it is just, funny. just beat up on the Pac-12. We're done with the commission. So let's move on to the league as a whole.
1: Oh, that's the funny thing is that any Pac-12 or any Mountain West team would uh, do a whole lot uh, to get sprint. into the Pac-12.
0: They would sit someone who roots for it. <laughs> they, yeah. They'd sprint.
1: Locke was ahead of his time. I can remember when he was doing a talk show, he used to talk about how— bidding getting B, uh, utah into the pac-12 not as a full-fledged uh, equity member right off the bat i remember he used to talk about that and how they needed to sell themselves and present it that way and sure enough he was dead on that's exactly what happened yep they they weren't a full-fledged they were a, a graduated uh scale I took about five years it was, 25 yep. 50 75 whatever it was mm-hmm. but he called that And and I, you know, I have an enormous respect for for him and his mind is just even when he sleeps, his mind is (laughs) churning with ideas.
0: See, I wonder. and, And it's because of the way it's expressed now. That, uh, you know, because you always talk about, uh, you know, reporting is dead. The journalism is, you know, the source is colon for the smallest thing that's barely It's not been dead. Needed. It's
1: just changed. I'm too dramatic when I say it's
0: dead. <laughs> but see, I just wonder the way things work now. Did Locke figure that out, which he may well have. I've never asked him about this. Did he figure that out, which he may well have? Did he look around and compare to what happened as some of the other leagues expanded? And so he kind of used that as his guide and thought it would be kind of an industry-wide trend? Or did someone tell him, if slash when it happens, this is how it goes down? So it actually was good reporting, but because, it, like you say, it's changed, uh, you know— in the newspaper industry, you came up and two people told you and they were quoted. They had their names. Maybe there was an anonymous source, but you had to clear it with an editor. Well, it, it wasn't it an anonymous
1: source. They just gave you background information. Yeah. You didn't quote them. You just used it as background.
0: So maybe that's what Locke did. Maybe that was good reporting. Well, or maybe I think just that, it out.
1: I think that he's like you. you. Both of you guys, you remind me a lot of each other. Uh, you know, you're numbers-oriented. We know that, but you're 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 thinking. You're coming up with ideas because you were the guy who just went right against what Larry Scott said the very first day I interviewed him about. Up, oh, we can only play Notre Dame. Notre Dame is being grandfathered in. Everybody else has to play the first three uh, three weeks of the season, and then you immediately. Now, no one gave this to you. You figured it out yourself. You said, "Wait a second. Because Notre Dame is either playing Stanford or SC in November, that creates 13 teams every single November. So you need a 14th team, or else you're going to have teams getting screwy buys or teams that don't get buys. Remember, Arizona didn't get a buy one year, and Rich Rod complained the whole year. He started in August or <laughs> he July. Never actually, let it go. <laughs> and when we were at Pac 12 Media Day, and he continued it the whole year. And you, I don't think anybody gave you that. You figured that out yourself. And that just shows you, that's a small example of how short-sighted the Pac-12 has been in leadership. Because, no offense, but some Yahoo (laughs) who does radio and TV in Salt Lake said, no, that doesn't work. No (laughs) No offense taken, but to
0: bring it back to the bonus thing. And like everybody's got blind spots and nobody can think of everything, right? It's why you need a team. You need a team in radio, you need a team in that sales analysis or that reference you just made, and you need a team in the Pac-12 office. And I just can't believe, and this is why, this is why Larry deserves a ton of heat. Because I'm certain the 12 ADs were already freaking out about that. But because he had them all just pushed over there and wasn't listening to them, any one of the 12 could have said, dude, none of us wants a buy we got to have a 14th team. Nobody wants to be off. Call your TV partners. They've got more TV windows on that weekend because there's football on Thursday and Friday that nobody should be playing to buy. There should always be games on TV. There's networks that need programming. But nobody could tell him that because he wasn't letting anyone be part of the team. You know? So, I guess so. I, just, it's, it's, I mean, I am certain Chris Hill could figure that out. Now, he's the, he's the AD we know. But come on, the other ADs can figure it out, too, right? I mean, that story, you were talking with Gordon on the air yesterday about the Mike Garrett story, right? Mike Garrett yeah. figures stuff out. He looks up in the stands. He's like, oh, there's 10,000 people, and we charge $35 a ticket on average. Uh, hey, wait a minute. We need in on that $350,000 gravy train. I can pay a couple, I can pay multiple assistant coaches with that. Come on.
1: Okay. And they figure that stuff out.
0: And that is, I think, at the heart of where Larry's in trouble, you know, is that because he didn't – because it was all him, and now it's – I mean, Mark Harlan, when we ask him about this, is like, well, I wasn't here for what came before. I've certainly heard my colleagues have said, but he's been very responsive. The fact that he's so responsive now, that it's such a big deal that he's responsive now, tells you he wasn't responsive at all earlier, and they made mistakes – and they gave away money, and they goofed stuff up, that it was simple stuff, and it should have been taken care of. And so now, I mean, they still have a lot of stuff going against them, and it can't all be put on Larry. I mean, it's getting ignored here, but if it continues, it's going to be a big story going forward. UCLA and Stanford's attendance last season was trending into the area and the numbers that we refer to as bad Mountain West Conference attendance. You know, Mountain West schools are largely, not completely, but are largely in smaller markets and are going to draw smaller crowds, right? But they can still draw 20 and 30,000. But when you see 10 or 15 in the stands, that's when people start making jokes about San Diego State attendance or say nobody in Albuquerque cares about the logo Lobos or what is UNLV doing? They don't even matter in their own market. And that's where Stanford and UCLA have gone. And that is not all on the commissioner, in the commissioner's office. There's multiple factors, but one of them is nobody knows the kick time. And you're playing at all these different hours. And when you see a national media member move into the Pac-12 footprint, the first thing they write is, holy cow, football doesn't matter as much here. You know, there's a list of reasons why the Pac-12 is going to meet today and decide when to come back. When everyone else either, like the SEC, slow played it and never really went away and finally came up with the date, which is the 26th, and uh, the Big Ten was in, they were out, they were back in again. Part of the deal with the Pac-12 is there just isn't the urgency. The fan bases aren't that fired up. It's like, eh, play, don't play, we'll be over. There isn't the same level of passion from as many people. And that's a problem. And part of that is the TV contract. Part of that is cultural. Part of that is you haven't been winning. UCLA has gone 20 years without a conference title. You know, but Stanford's been winning. Stanford's got different issues with a smaller student body from all over the country. They don't have a huge alumni base you know, in a, in a one-hour drive, a circle around campus, the way uh, you know, lots of other schools do, all the powerhouses do. Um, yeah. So there's other issues to solve and they're not all on the commissioner, but he's messed up some really simple stuff. And it's like you say, some Yahoo thinking about it for 10 minutes and Salt Lake figures it out. Well, good grief. Listen to your ADs, dude. And in fact, he didn't listen to his ADs, probably caused a hundred other problems we don't know about.
1: Ooh. That's that's a tell tale sign right there. When you call somebody dude, you never call somebody dude in a positive way.
0: <laughs> dude Anytime. is usually
1: is usually some
0: type of sympathy, patheticness. <laughs> it's it's dude. more in a scathing
1: way. When you when you David James Niggledorf the third, say dude, dude, it's usually almost always in a negative tone, like what were you thinking? Why'd you say that? So right right now, I wasn't sure, but now I am sure. <laughs> Larry H. Scott is in trouble.
0: Uh, Mike says, this is actually an excellent question for Mike. For all the stuff we hear on Twitter about how negative it is and how brutal it is, there are some gems. And Mike, Mike Brousseau just delivered one. What about the Pac-12 player demands for starting the season? What happened to players united and where do they sit? Are they so happy to be playing right now that they're not going to say much here? Because they were getting ready to say something when the Pac-12 shut down. And Yach... Some Yahoo in Salt Lake, but who thinks about stuff is like, I can't help but notice that the four leagues that aren't playing, three of them were dealing with some version of Players United, and the six leagues that are going, none of them had to deal with Players United.
1: I think that's sort of dead.
0: For now? Is it, is it like uh, like in three years?
1: It raises its head again? Well, I actually think in three years that the players will be compensated more. What I mean by dead, a lot of their concerns were very much legitimate. There's no question about it. So I think that we're progressing towards more benefits, more advantages, more in terms of putting the player uh, in the position that is more professional. Mm -hmm. And so they're trending that way anyway. So their concerns are uh, going in the direction of being taken care of. What I meant by dead is, well, if you don't do this, this, and this, and this, we're not playing. Yeah. Because they already got it taken away. And so now if you did that, I don't think under these situations that we have in our world right now, in our country right now, you'd have a lot of sympathy. I do think there's a fair amount of understanding for the stuff that they put out there. Uh, And I think... uh, one by one, that a lot of those things will come to pass anyway because we're going in that direction and governmental leaders are getting involved. I mean, was Mitt Romney, I think, last mm-hmm. week or the week before, let's put a cap on 50000 50000 I mean, I don't know if that's per year, if that's total, uh, plus what you get uh, education-wise. If if, I, I, if everybody got 50000 that would be outrageous because the the guy who snaps, the long snapper, gets 50000 I mean, the reality is here that, you know, there's maybe five guys on a football team that people would be all excited about to, well, I got to see them play, you know, and I'm going to pay them big money or I want them to come down to X uh, car dealership. You know, uh, there's just not that many guys that, the public is going to be all fired up about and that so if you got 50 grand that would be tremendous uh, but the, and that's just a figure he put out i didn't i didn't really research it beyond that because right now we're dealing with more pressing issues and when these things get we get past these pressing issues then we'll go into that so that we are united stuff i think on the surface was good and will be taken care of largely as they move in the direction of benefiting the player instead of all these these dumb rules now like the the colleges you have to decide to pull your name out of a draft by before the draft why why <laughs> why give the nba the advantage why not give the kid the advantage let him be like baseball we'll draft you and then we'll see if we can sign you and if we can't sign you you can come back to school
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Keep it here all day long as the Pac-12 and Mountain West Conference news breaks, and it'll probably be this afternoon, but you never really know. Uh, But whenever it does, we'll have it for you right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker, is going to join us to talk football, talk about the home opener with Troy, and his league's returning to play, and we will do that next. Stay with us.
2: Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
0: I think if you'd listened to Hans long enough, you had hinted that there was a star player that had dealt with COVID over the summer. And
3: Zach Wilson admitted that uh, he indeed contracted it a few months ago.
1: Yeah, you know, it's hard.
0: I think I got it from we had a bunch of the football guys over and we were just having a little gambling night, you know, having some fun. And, you know, somehow a bunch of us got it. And already people are wondering about what's going on at gambling night.
3: Hey, look, it's Skittles, a little bit of poker. Everybody does it. Everybody. Everybody does yeah. it calm down? Everybody's doing it. Get the orange Skittles, get the green, yeah, the purple Skittles. Assign dollar amounts to each. No money's exchanging hands. Oh, just COVID.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hanson Scotty weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint, coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. So is the glass half empty or the glass half full? The good news is there's a BYU game? It's a home game. The Cougars are favored by a couple touchdowns. Maybe a little more than that, depending on where you are. And then you got the bad news, which is you're not going to have the pageantry. You're not going to have the roar of the crowd. So where are you? How good are you feeling about this game?
3: Uh I'm you know, I I like to see things for what they are, and I definitely am more of an optimist than a pessimist. And um so that that glass glasses, glasses half full in my opinion and to me you know i this season was in serious jeopardy there's a lot of lot of kids not playing right now a lot of schools not playing i i'm always the type to be grateful for what you have and so you know as a BYU fan i'm grateful that we have games um that we have a season if if i was a player on the team i'd be grateful that i have an opportunity to go play the game that i love and hopefully the kids have that Mentality and to me, I you know in my opinion I thought that this was always going to be a possibility that you have games with no fans um, versus you not having a season at all. So you know I just be grateful, go out there and do what you can, take care of business, and win football games.
1: Yeah, I would think that under the circumstances, because this season was in jeopardy and you've already had one game postponed, the fact that you have no fans is freaky, but. Because of the situation, it'll actually work to your advantage in terms of just being all sorts of fired up because you literally don't know. It's a cliche. This could be your last game. Well, we literally don't know if they'll play again. This could be their last game. Who knows? So in terms of no fans, I don't really see it as being an issue because I think if I'm a football player, the fact that I'm playing a game, I'm just going to be totally jacked up that I have a game to play.
3: Exactly. Absolutely. And I mean, these guys, they're they're extremely competitive. And so the fact that there's not fans there, it it, it does make a difference. And I think it makes more of a difference in football than in basketball or or baseball, because especially you know, every third down, I mean, for the for the home team, that that's a big advantage. And the crowd gets wild. And it's a big aspect of the game. So I think football, a, a fanless football game is definitely more different than any other sport. That being said, I mean, you put these guys, I mean, you could put them in a gym with a ping-pong table and, you know, they're going to get puttied. They're, I mean, they're just competitive. They're going to they're gonna play hard. They're, they want to win. That's just the way they're wired. And, I, you know, I, when, it, when the whistle blows to, uh, on the opening kickoff, a lot of that stuff disappears and it's time to play ball.
0: Brian Keel joining us, former BYU linebacker. So it's time to play ball. Here comes Troy. Does Troy have any chance to slow down the BYU running game, or is the offensive line going to get it done?
3: So this will be a great opportunity for us to um, to see. Oh, so you know, you look at in years past, um, we've had we've had great signature wins. Great, just look at last year. You know, signature wins. And then you, we followed that up later in the season with just ugly losses versus teams that we really have no business losing to. And so if you look at our schedule this year, our our remade schedule, it's mostly teams that we have no business losing to, and that's no offense to them. They're, their program is just different than ours, and um, it is what it is. That doesn't mean we can't lose to these teams. It doesn't mean we can't lose to Troy or some of the other teams on our schedule this year. Um, we ha- absolutely have to come out and show up and, and take care of business. But what I would like to see for this coaching staff and for this program is to take a step forward and to, to right the wrongs of the last, not just last year, but several years where we have lost stupid games. And I just would like to see us come and impose our will and and this whole season against, against lesser opponents and it, it should just be domination every week. And That's what I expect to see from offensive line. I, I expect them to do exactly what they did against Navy, which was dominate. They absolutely dominated, and I I expect that. I don't I don't hope for it. I I expect it.
1: I do have a little concern in terms of you speak of these programs. I can't argue with you. They are lower profile pro- programs, lower on the pecking order. But my concern would be. That I, and I would tell my guys this and see what you uh, agree, disagree. Hey, Troy's coming in here. Troy doesn't normally get a lot of run. They're going to be on national television on a Saturday night, and they're going to be playing in a place that, you know, the BYU has a reputation. It's a national program in that respect. People know of BYU football. Uh, even if it's not as what it once was, we still know BYU football. You're going to be in a part of the country that you never have been in, most likely, for a lot of these kids down there in Alabama. So the point being that that ought to provide them with all sorts of motivation to just lay it all out there. And I think BYU needs to be aware of that.
3: Absolutely, 100%. And, and, and if you look at some of the games that we've lost over the last couple of years that we quote-unquote shouldn't have lost, I think it, that's a big factor. Um, and and that's what makes sport so exciting is the the upset It is the, the Cinderella it is the underdog and the opportunity to, to to you know the ball can bounce any which way and any anything can happen on any given Saturday and that's why it makes it so exciting and so you know when I say what I say that that, it, that there's no disrespect in those words um, I don't you know back when when I was there Bronco on one of the walls somewhere there was these words it was if I remember right, it was fear no one and respect everyone. And so that applies. like if you if you if got Clemson on the schedule, that applies to, to Clemson. Like if, if I was, you know, I, I, I never got to play someone like that. I would have loved to have played a perennial powerhouse. You know, they played USC when I was on my mission. I missed those games. I would have loved to have been with those games. But my mindset, if I'm playing a USC back in their heyday or right now a Clemson or an Alabama – I respect, obviously, the crap out of them, but I don't fear them. I I, I wouldn't have an ounce of fear in my body with that game against them. And and so that goes for when you're the the extreme underdog. And it also goes when you're the favorite. So if you're playing Troy or or some of these other uh, programs that are on our schedule this year, you you respect them. You respect everyone. And that's part of that that phrase because anybody can can beat you. And so – Just because you expect to win, that doesn't mean you don't respect them. You absolutely have to show up and take care of business because they're going to be hyped and they would love to knock you off.
0: Brian Keel joining us, former BYU linebacker. So the question is, yes, they would love to knock you off. How might they do it? I think the one thing we see with Group of Five and also with the championship subdivision, the old 1AA You know, some players are easy to identify, especially in the line. You know, you just got the size or you don't. But at the skill positions, there are diamonds in the rough, and there are late bloomers, and there are people who get overlooked, right? Aaron Rodgers didn't have an offensive line, so the guy's got to play J.C. football because he never shined as a high school quarterback. And we know that Marshall Falk played at a group of five school and ended up being an NFL MVP. And Walter Payton and Jerry Rice played in the uh, – the championship subdivision. They got a, so we know these guys are out there, right? These guys' are complete, careers are complete. We know this. Do you fear that a little bit with Troy? That or any of these other games? You know, down the line with UTSA or whatever, that somewhere out there, there's some wide receiver. Yeah, you haven't heard of who's going to end up being in the NFL and is going to is going to have a game.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, every team in the NFL I played on, um, there was uh, not just one or two, but a handful of players that came from, you know, basically no name programs and absolute just monsters studs. And always what, how did that guy, you know, go to that program? Um, And it just happens. Recruiting is what it is. There's late bloomers. People get missed. Um, Things happen. And so every program has got guys and Troy has guys and, Um, they're going to have, you know, they have a handful of guys, athletes, and and they can absolutely, they can bite you in the butt. And if you look over the last couple of years, you know, that's one of the things, you know, I love our coaching staff, and I think they've done a great job. Um, And I give credit where credit's due, and I give criticism where criticism's due. And, And one of the criticisms is they haven't taken care of business in all of their games against the quote-unquote lesser opponents. And so that's what, you know, I'd like to see them do. And, um, you know, the, these guys could absolutely get us. If you look at the Navy game, um, it, it wasn't by any means a perfect game. It was pretty dang close. Um, on, on defense, you know, we gave up a couple big runs, and that was, you know, really the only flaws on defense. On offense, really the only mistake that we made was that interception. And, um, and honestly, I don't think that interception – um, was really, I think it was a combination of the receiver and the quarterback. I think they are both at fault. Um, definitely wasn't all on Wilson. But I've you know been on this program for a couple of years now, seeing Wilson's phrase. I think he absolutely is a, a superstar talent and has a very, very high ceiling. Um, I think he's a next-level talent. He has that ability. Um, he, he he has to develop it. He's, he, he's got a long ways to go to get there. But I think he, ha- he has that potential, and he has – he has that arm strength and that arm talent. One of his weaknesses has been turning the ball over. That's been one of his weaknesses his whole career. Um, that happened in game one. You asked how can Troy beat us um, if, if we don't take care of the football? That's the the biggest key to winning any football game is ball security. So you know if we if we don't take care of the football, that's one of the ways that they can beat us.
1: So you've mentioned multiple times here, just in these last few minutes. The games they should have won last year, and I can't disagree with you. You know, they they should have been a nine ten win team last year, and that's a huge difference between seven and six. Obviously, to go uh, ten and three or whatever it might be. Uh, I'm wondering, and since you've noticed it and you've made mention of it, how much do you think that plays into
3: recruiting? Oh, it's huge. I think it's absolutely huge, especially for us um, being independent right now and for the last decade. Um, I think, so if you look at recruiting, there's so many factors that play, that play into why a kid chooses to come to a school. The coach is a factor that the college town is a factor like, you know, USC that of course kids want to come there or Stanford, beautiful campus or, or Miami or Florida state, you know, you have those beautiful campuses and, you know, the atmosphere, the environment, you know, that plays into it. The, the success of the program Etcetera, et cetera, The conference, you know, SEC. I want to play an SEC football. And when Utah joined the Pac-12, their recruiting instantly went up because of the conference. There's so many factors that play into it. And one of the factors is winning, just winning. If you, go, if you go out there and you win 10 games every year, your recruiting is going to grow up and increase every year. It's just going to happen. When you win seven games, you don't get that bump. And we really really missed an opportunity last year with, with those early big wins that set us up for a 10 win season. And that it's just such a shame that we dropped those very winnable games late and kept us from that. It does absolutely hurt our recruiting year over year. And, and for us, you know, obviously we'd like to get into a power five conference Um, right now. That's not what's happening. And, And until that happens, one of the only ways that we can increase our recruiting is by just dominating and winning games and, and getting into a New Year Six bowl game and winning that game and finishing ranked. And so we dropped the ball and it definitely hurt our recruiting.
0: So it looks like BYU ought to win. The Vegas odds makers think BYU ought to win. How much do you think, not knowing who these programs are, not having seen them on t v not having followed the leagues they played in, in some cases, it'd be interesting right now, don't you think, if the whole b y u team took a test and tried to name the nickname of all their opponents, how do you think <laughs> they would score on a test like that?
3: I don't think they'd score very well um you know some of some of these programs um you know shoot, I haven't even heard of them before um you know, and, and that's no knock on them. They're in different parts of the country, and you know, they some of them their fans might not have heard of BYU before. I wouldn't doubt it at all. So it goes both ways. Um, but yeah, familiarity plays a huge role. Um, I mean, you, you look like you look in the NFL, and you, you'll you'll see um, there'll be some divisions with really good football teams, and because they play each other so much, there's other like just for instance, you know, I played in the NFC West. The Cardinals, the Rams, the Niners, and the Seahawks, and you know the, the the Seahawks and the Niners have been really good for the last decade. And if you look at their interdivisional games, the Cardinals and the Rams always play them really tough. Even like even when the Seahawks were dominant a couple years ago when they had that you know historic defense, the Rams beat them several times, and the, the Cardinals beat them several times, even though they weren't very good. And the point is, when you're familiar familiar with someone, it really helps you. And so To answer your question, yeah, you know, it's different playing these teams that you know nothing about. You have no background on them. You have no experience. Um, It does, it it is kind of open things up and it's going to be a wild card.
1: So in in college, you know, you got those rivalries and you got the so-called bigger games. In the NFL, uh, did you have any so-called bigger games? Did you get up more for some of the games as opposed to others?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, the the, the the divisional games um, were, were always were always big, and and not every division has those rivalries. But um, you know, I started off in the NFC East, which is like you know maybe one of the oldest divisions with in terms of rivalries with with the Eagles, the Cowboys, and and the Giants and the Redskins, and there's just all these different dynamics, and um, you know those fans hate each other, and. I mean, just the Eagles alone, I mean, their fans are the worst. And, and so it, it, it is. It's a different game um, than, you know, say if you were playing for the Giants and then you played the Jaguars. Like, that's not a natural rivalry, and it's, just, it's, it's a different game. And, and so, um, you know, in, in college and in the NFL, I think there's rivalries that, in, that bump up the, the level of the game and then also just playing good teams. When you play a good team, then you know it, it, it makes it exciting. And so, you know, for for Troy to play us, um, I, I think they're absolutely going to be up for it. Like I look at myself, and if I was on their program, um, you know, when you when you're on a, a program from a lesser conference or a lesser division, and you play someone from a bit, you have a chip on your shoulder, and, and 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 we'll see that. We'll see that in the game, and they're going to come out feisty, and you know, I fully expect that.
0: So, as long as you bring up the NFC East, two and six, and one of the wins was an interdivision game. What is wrong with those four teams? They're the worst division in football right now, even though they've got all this brand appeal and history that's fabulous. Right now, what is wrong?
3: It's just so that, that's why NFL is so awesome, is because it can change so much from year to year. I mean, the NFC East was the premier. And they still, I think they still have the most Super Bowls within their division. They have the most Super Bowls. They're the most historic division. And you know, the year before I got there, the Giants won the Super Bowl, and the NFC East put three teams in the playoffs. They're really good. Now they suck. Um, My first year in the NFC West, my first year for the Rams, our division was terrible. We put a, a losing. My first year with the Rams, we put a losing team, a seven and nine Seahawks team with a losing record in the playoffs. And they obviously they won a, a really upset against the Saints playoff team. But anyway, now you look at the NFC East, and they're probably the best division in football. Um, and it's it just – things change so fast in the NFL. The NFC East is embarrassing right now. And I feel – I love the Giants organization. I really appreciated the, the ownership there and the front office. Great people. And so to see them be so bad right now, it does – it kind of hurts my heart. And I I, I think – they're one of the flagship franchises in the, in the NFL, and so I think the NFL is better off when they're good, and so I would like to see them get back to that, but it's, it's not looking good right now.
0: Well, Brian, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll see how the game goes Saturday night.
3: Happy Saturday. Thanks, guys. All right, Brian
0: Keel, former BYU linebacker. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, PK, and I know you remember these games, too. You've covered so much college football and watched so many games, and uh, you focus on it. It's one of your passions. Uh, If BYU is going to drop one of these games that we think they're going to win, I think we look back in the past at games they've dropped that we thought they were going to win, and then you see, oh, well, that was NFL talent. You know, the name on the jersey may not resonate yet, but they've lost to Nevada a couple times. And you know, on the Born in the history in the history of college football, you know BYU is a better program, and it's not close. But Kaepernick in 2010, he runs for a touchdown, he throws for a touchdown, and a 27-10 or 27-13. I know it was a couple touchdowns like that. It was very definitive. And if you go back to two when BYU flew in on the game of the day, that famous game, Nate Burleson, who was a Viking wide receiver and pretty good, I'm sure a lot of our listeners had him on their fantasy football team, hit a 95-yard touchdown catch. Wasn't he a lion? He may have been also. Bounced around a little bit. Or I misremembered the wrong team in the wrong division. Whatever, he was in the NFL. And so you just wonder, I don't know these teams and these rosters. I don't think you do either. You know, does Texas San Antonio or Troy? I think we know that Houston probably has NFL guys on their roster. But some of these other teams might too, and we just don't know it yet.
1: Okay, I can understand that. Uh, I I think, though, that you have to look at BYU, too, and in that Kaepernick year when they came into the Lavelle Edwards Stadium, the program wasn't in a good spot. They were sort of in between, speaking of BYU. And last year, there was a lot of inexperience. Well, this year, that inexperience is now experienced. So from the BYU perspective, no, not this year. I don't care who has NFL talent on your team. Get it done. You've got NFL talent on your team. And
0: at the offensive line where you can really wear people down. Yeah, you can really beat people up and wear them down at elevation over the course of a game.
1: I don't know if this program was built to win a lot of games, 9, 10 games with the original schedule, but right now I'm confident saying this program is built to win a lot of games on this actual schedule that they're going to play.
0: Well, it goes back to the Tom Homo uh, quote, right? If you want to win 10 games, I'll build you a schedule, and we'll win 10 games pretty routinely. Uh, now, because of what's happened with COVID and who will play and who won't play and the leagues that have decided they're not playing any non-conference games, that's kind of the schedule they ended up with. I mean, he won't win 10 because he literally doesn't have 10 games scheduled, but you get the point.
1: Well, if you count the two playoff games, yeah, they may get to 10.
0: There you go. that Had a kid. DJ and PK it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone NBA playoffs with Craig Jack coming up in about 15 minutes an update on the question du jour next stay with us
2: take The Zone with you wherever you go let's go download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show
0: DJ and PK brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Question of the day, what's your interest level in the NBA now? And we got a lot of people who, because of politics, aren't watching. we got people who, because of football, aren't watching. They're spending more time on football. But we get got some people here who are all over the map who are watching and who uh, are, are not in agreement on how they want this to play out. Shelley, at this point, I'm interested in seeing the Lakers and the Celtics not make the finals. Now, that made sense to us, PK, because uh, Jazz fans are never going to root for the Lakers. Period. End of story. And the Celtics, with Gordon Hayward there, they're people who don't want to uh, see him with a championship after he left Utah, so that makes sense. Uh, Robert actually says that. I'm hoping that Boston loses so Mr. Hayward never gets a title. But at the same time, we got people on the uh, completely opposite side. we got people who want to see, they don't explain why, um, but they want to see a Heat-Laker final.
1: Oh, they like the Heat in the Lakers.
0: <laughs> What's the pull there?
1: Uh, I guess you're not Eric's, a Jazz fan. Eric so so they're, like they're part yeah. Filipino, and they like Eric nah, Spolstra. Okay, all right. <laughs> and they're from L.A., where there's a fair amount of Philippine people. I knew many myself. And, of course, there's a fair amount of everybody in L.A. Uh, that's what makes it uh, as interesting as it is, among other reasons. So, you know, well, I guess
0: that yep. they just like them. Brian's hoping for the Heat and the Lakers to show up. Uh, I'm curious, uh, Shane says the playoffs are great, unless Miami and Denver lose. <laughs> the Nuggets, will people be energized and think, look how close the Jazz are to a title. They bear- They were within a shot. They were within... 2 inches. That ball's off by 2 inches it's going right in the middle of the hoop instead of hitting the rim and rimming out at the end of the series. Well, 2 inches mean away beat from an the LA
1: teams. Title. though. you were 2 inches away from winning that series. That's all that means. It does mean anything else.
0: So I put up a uh, poll question. You can go to Twitter and vote David DJ James. Who are you pulling for? Who's going who do you want to see win the NBA title? Lakers, Nuggets, Heat, or Celtics? Obviously, after Game 4 in the East, uh, it's going to be difficult for uh, Boston, but not impossible. Denver's wiped out a couple of 3-1 deficits. Boston's down 3-1 to Miami now. So cast your votes. Go to David D.J. James. We'll update you later in the show. Lakers, Nuggets, Heat, or Celtics, who you pulling for down the stretch. All right, when we come back, we'll talk NBA playoffs with Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Jazz. Get his take, who he thinks is going to win, who he wants to win, and if it is Denver, what does that mean for the Jazz? We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us.